It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Uh, One of the things that is eternal that I think Ohio State fans, Ohio State observers, anybody maybe listening to the Dubcast knows that the one, the lifeblood, right, the, the thing that sustains us as a website is really college football recruiting. And that is year round. There is no off season when it comes to recruiting. There's no sitting down on your laurels and just taking a nap. It's always happening. There's always drama. There's always crazy stuff. This, I believe, has been a pretty successful few days for Ohio State. And I think as uh, a lot of maybe, you know, Ohio State fans my age and, and older might appreciate, it looks like we've got a revival of a little bit of a pipeline going on. So Bryce West, Damarian Witten, Arbel Reese, we've, we've got some Glenville tar blooders in the pipeline at Ohio State. That's really cool. Ohio State also, uh, in the past few days here, um, within the past week, signed a 2025 quarterback, Tavian St. Clair, out of, uh, I think, Bell Fountain. Um, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of movement. How are you feeling about these guys that they've brought in, George? I love seeing people obsess over the decision-making of teenagers. I think it's a very <laughs> healthy media climate we have around uh, high right. school recruiting. Smart anyway, I love, energy into. I love seeing all the new faces from Glenville. Um, that being and said, by the way, Josh, sorry to interrupt. I, we do have to, I, I want to plug this though, because we were talking about this before we started. Josh put out this incredible article on the website where he talks about the, the Glenville pipeline. And he just goes through all of these guys who have been in since the early two thousands and talks about what their high school careers were like, what their college careers were like, please check it out. If you haven't, it's super sick. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I had to mention that article. No, it's he he put together a very complete table of uh, the you know ta- I I I've said it before I love I, I love seeing these tables because they make a lot of they organize the data and this kind of tells go. the story better than anything in terms of the pipeline that's come through. But when you look at the table and you look at the years, I kind of hesitate to call this a pipeline a little bit just okay. relative to how many. Uh, you know, players we've actually seen come through here and in, you know, the last decade. So we, you know, I can see why people want to call it a revival. Um, It's nice to see three players come through at once, but again, not having anybody uh, like on this list come from Glenville since like 2016 and then seeing how many players were coming through during the trestle era relative to the, the urban era. Um, I I want to see a little bit more sustained, uh, you know, recruitment from the school further than just 2023 and 2024. So it'll it'll remain to be seen if we get a bit more of a consistent turnover from there relative to what the last uh, decade demonstrated to um, the 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 knots I believe people call the the thousands era. That's what it's <laughs> referred to as. Um, but you know, an encouraging start, and uh, I. I, I and again with the talent, you look at the names that are on this list just from the decade prior. I mean, right. Marshawn Lattimore is really the only guy that really jumps out as someone that went on to have you know a sustained amount of NFL success. I think the other big name on there is obviously Cardale Jones, became the superhero of the 2014 season and had perhaps the most quotable line of any Ohio State football player in the last uh, 10 years. We don't need to rehash it. Uh, (laughs) But, but, 
I'm encouraged by what I've seen. I'm going to pump the brakes on declaring the pipeline has re, re blossomed and spouted out of the ground. We haven't struck oil in Glenville once again quite yet, but the the prognosis I think is very good. I'm, I'm I think that's an excellent way to put it. I think I think that's a really good point. It has been a while, right? It's been a long time since we've had that. And you know, if you look at those names, I mean, you said Marshawn Lattimore and Cardell Jones, obviously two huge names. Prior to that, Ted Ginn, Dante Whitner, and of course, you know, Heisman Trophy winner, Troy Smith. Those are all pretty darn big names. I will also say that there have been some notable misses where you were you were having guys come in super, super highly touted and regarded, did not turn out very well uh, at the uh, college level. A guy like Ray Small, for example, um, did not live up to the hype that a lot of people had on that dude. Um you know, I, the thing is, I mean, even Jerome Martin, I mean, Robert Rose, that was another guy who I think, you know, a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for. The thing is, is that I think the whole pipeline idea is kind of a, it's a holdover from an earlier time period in recruiting. And I don't think that that's really, to your point, I don't know that that's something that's necessarily, uh, it's not something that's an ideal, like a platonic idea of recruiting anymore. Like it's great if you find guys from the same, you know, from the same high school. And if it's one of those high schools that's turning out a ton of talent, you want to have good connections with the coaches that are there. You want to be able to, you know, say, Hey, you know, Ohio state, and that be you know one of the first teams and programs that they look at. But because of the way recruiting is, and because it's so national, you don't really need like, okay, we got to get all these great kids from Maslin anymore. Right. Because it's, it's not, just about the best players in Ohio. It's about the best players nationally if you're Ohio State. So I'm kind of with you. I mean, I do like this kind of romantic idea of a pipeline that you've got this one school that's like really connected at the hip with Ohio State. I don't know that it's necessarily like that important for Ryan Day and company. Um, aside from, again, for me, nostalgically, I love the idea of like all these Ohio kids, you know, playing at Ohio State. I think that's great. I, I like that. Um, but if you look at it over the years, and this is a trend going back, you know, 15, 20 years at this point, you're getting fewer and fewer kids from the state of Ohio who are actually playing for Ohio State. Um, and if the end result is you win national championships, who cares? But it is definitely different um, than it used to be. And, and even going back to, like you said, that initial pipeline where it was like, you know, you're getting a couple guys seemingly every year. You know what I mean? Well, um, I here's where I kind of disagree with you a little bit because I think that there needs to be a bit of a balance and I think that it that's reflected in one of the major criticisms that a lot of fans have had about uh the the coaching staff relative to recruiting in recent seasons. And what I mean by that is one of the things that's important for state level recruiting is having effective relationships with these high school coaching staffs. That was something that was kind of built in for Ohio state with the Ginn family relationship at Glenville, mm -hmm. but having like these coaches that are regularly competing against each other in conferences and, you know, division levels across uh, various sizes, high schools throughout the state, these coaches talk with each other. They get insight from each other, uh, you know, about each other's players when they're getting ready to compete against other schools. And it's important that if you're a college level uh, athletic representative, that you have positive relationships with these guys that talk. 
And I think that one frustration that a lot of Ohio State fans had relative to, um, you know, for example, one position group was the offensive line is that, you know, it's encouraging that we see guys like the Armstrong brothers that are both electing to come to Ohio State in state. But you did have a pattern in the later half of the last decade where you had highly touted in-state offensive line recruits like Jackson Carmine that were spurring mm. Ohio State in favor that's of going point. places like Clemson. So that's, that's not necessarily like a, a national profile thing, I think, as much as it is. If you have these secure relationships in place where you are emphatically, like undisputably the best option, not just at your state level, but, you know, for a a regional level, high profile recruit, it's important to have that kind of impression on the local level so that you keep those big names that are nearby in state. And I think we didn't really see that a lot with the high level lineman recruits. Uh, in the last half of the decade. And I think we've sort of seen that kind of like not unravel, but we've seen a better shift in the right direction relative to what we're seeing with guys like the Armstrong brothers. So I'm, I think you need more of a balance in terms of managing those old school level relationships. So I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing with Glenville here, but what you're saying about needing to address the more national stage, I think is definitely true as well, but there has to be a balance. Well, and I think that's no, but I think that's an excellent point. I, I don't think you're wrong at all about that. And I think St. Clair's commitment, I mean, he's a 2025 guy, right? But I think that is maybe a good example of what you're kind of talking about because that's the dude right now is a three star, right? He's not a guy who has a ton of national attention. I mean, he does now, obviously, because he's signed with Ohio State. And who knows how long, you know, that he could leave, he could come back, who knows? It's, it's a long time before he'll be on campus. Um, but that's the kind of, I think, if you find a guy who is, you know, if you look at this dude's stats, St. Clair, I mean, he's completing like 70% of his passes, you know, all these touchdowns, highly hyper-accurate, uh, making difficult throws. That's a guy who's going to shoot up the recruiting boards. You as Ohio State, especially with an in-state talent like that, you want to be the first in line, right? Like, you want to be the absolute first in line. And the way you develop that, the way you make sure that happens is you have those good relationships with coaches and, you know, good word of mouth and all that kind of stuff. So to your point, I think that is exactly what you need to get guys like that. And if he ends up being like a five-star quarterback and, you know, gets national attention and whatnot, even if there's still a lot of, you know, uh, competition for his services in college, which there still might be. I mean, like I said, 2025 is a long time away. uh, You still have the inside track. And I think that's really what it comes down to, why it's so necessary to do that. Um, so I, I, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, I'm, I'm hyped for this guy, the St. Clair kid. Same thing with Air Nolan, man. I, I love these dudes who are accurate, who can just make every throw, who are intelligent. Like that's that fits so well with Ryan Day's system. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm also selfishly, I, I love the weird, stupid thing that Ohio does where you take like, French sounding place names and pronounce them in the most butchered way possible. So Bell Fountain, beautiful. If we can get national people like uh, trying to figure out why you're pronouncing Bell Fontaine, like Bell Fountain, I love it. it Versailles, same deal. It's great. Um, this is a last thing. I want to, yeah, that's right. Uh, or Rushi for Russia. That's another, that's another great one. Then uh, fine state of Ohio. Um, last thing I want to say on the recruiting front. So Demary went when talked about that from, uh, from Cleveland Linville. Uh, there was some, there was some, uh, 
there was some uh, salt, I think some sour grapes out of uh, Kentucky who, so their, um, their coach down there, their tight ends coach, Vince Morrow at UK uh, said that, um, you know, they still got the target that they wanted. So I got the target I wanted. This is SEC ball, and we got an SEC grown, G-R-O-A-N, man, go big blue. So I love the fact that, first of all, he senses it like 10 o'clock. So it's like he's in bed. He's rolling over. He's like, ah, I hate this kid. And he texts this incredibly poorly you know, written and grammatically incorrect tweet. Um, and the idea is that the, the recruit that they did get, which I believe is a three-star, Witten's a four-star. Um, is like 240 pounds. Witten's like 215. So I think the the diss here is that he's not big enough. But if you've seen tape on this Witten kid, he is really good at catching the ball. Um, and I know we make a meme out of it, but if you can get you know, like really good, you know, tight, you know, tight ends who can really catch the ball in the you know Ryan Day offense, I think that's a huge plus. So I'm excited about that. And I also think it's funny that Kentucky's salty about it. I think it's great. The guy Kentucky got had an offer from Purdue. Oh, okay. Well, then shut my mouth. (laughs) If there's one serious long-term competitor with Ohio State hegemony in the Big Ten, it's the Purdue Boilermakers. So if it was good enough for Purdue, then it must be good enough for anybody else in the country. I do like – I don't – like I – I've never seen UK refer to themselves as Big Blue, so I think it's funny him saying "Go Big Blue." I feel like is kind of a subtweet at Ohio State in a way. You know what I mean? Oh, you think? I've never seen anyone else refer to Kentucky as Big Blue. It's always UK. I'm from, you know, and I'm from Southwestern Ohio, and there's a there's a large. Yeah, so you Kentucky. should know these things about Kentucky. You're, no, but that's the thing. I haven't either. Like, I'm trying to think of when I've heard someone like I, I feel like I've seen it in passing. Like, it's definitely like a third tier. Like, they'll say Wildcats right before they say go Big Blue or something like that. Like the, the Wildcats. Yeah, it's a, like, that's it's a really third tier UK reference to Kentucky. One, but I've in not the same heard way that Big Blue very uh, often. You know, I think they that's got a third tier uh, tight end. Or no, I, I, if that's a slight dig, then maybe it is because I don't. That's not a common one. I don't hear that very often. Plus, it's Kentucky, so who gives a crap? Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like that's that's the ultimate like in sour grapes that it's one thing if if you're like a really marquee program and you're you're right there with Ohio State and you guys are duking it out for the best recruits, but like of course you're gonna lose out on a recruit to Ohio State. It's Ohio State and you're Kentucky. I know Kentucky's been a lot better in the past few years. They're still they're not Ohio State. Like you're gonna lose that recruiting battle nine times out of ten. There's nothing to be salty about. That's just the way it works out. And then to diss this kid and say, like, oh, we got the SEC grown man, not even spell the word grown right. I don't know. That's that's pretty dumb. Pretty stupid on Kentucky's part. But I guess they'll just have to schedule a home and home and and we'll we'll roll down to Lexington and show them what's up. That'll never happen. I'm kidding. Um, so, (laughs) So that's the that's the recruiting update. Another bit of uh, selections happening. This is the NBA draft. Uh, predictably, uh, Victor Wembayama went number one to the Spurs, which they took like all five minutes of their time. Like, why, why the hell? Why do people do that? They, you know who you're going to select. It's the dumbest thing like, on the planet. I hate that crap. Uh, Bryce Ensemble, however, uh, near and dear to Ohio State fans' hearts, uh, ended up going 28th overall to Utah Jazz. How do you feel about that pick? Do you think that's a good landing spot for him? I 
No. <laughs> I, I, I don't like Utah, the, the Utah Jazz. I just don't. Uh, they're they're a funky, weird franchise. And, they are. Uh, I don't trust them to be a good place for uh, any incoming Ohio State talent. Uh, I believe, you know, Mike Conley kind of effectively, you know, showcased that. Uh, so I... I, I, I like they're just not it's just not a good market not a good you know spot for you know getting to see him play um could it be good in the sense that you know he might have some space to occupy in the near future in terms of a role maybe but I think in terms of if you want to watch him succeed and thrive right now that's probably not really a good spot for him so I uh I'm wishing him all the best but uh I'm I'm cautious i'm being cautious and guarded in terms of what to expect from the utah jazz yeah i mean this is not a team that first of all they weren't very good last year um they've got a coach this dude will hardy um is like he's 35 (laughs) and i know i'm not a young man but like i really don't trust any coaches that are younger than me (laughs) like for whatever reason i know i know there's some really great coaches out there but it's just this inherent bias that i have like i look up this dude on wikipedia and i look at his at his picture and it looks like he doesn't know where he is like he's like how did i get in this picture with all these basketball people that they don't understand and that's gonna be a dangerous mindset as your tenure continues in this oh yeah lofty role this arbiter of ohio state football opinions just that's right i'm gonna be like 95 he's like i don't trust anybody uh he's not a you know septuagenarian you gotta be (laughs) (laughs) if you don't have three digits at that age you can't coach that's right i want i need john cooper back right now um So by the way, John Cooper, one of those dudes who just gets cooler the older he gets. Like when he was when he was a coach at Ohio State, I think it was just kind of the sad sack because you never beat Michigan. But then you know now that he's gone, and like I hear him on the radio and stuff, the dude sounds loose as hell. Like he's just like super happy to just be hanging out, say whatever he wants. I love it. I, yeah. He's living he's, his best he's, life. He's he's free of that burden. He is, and you know what? It is a burden. So I, you know what? I I salute him. I'm glad he's he's hanging around. It's only a burden if you um, lose. That's that's true. Uh, so yeah, get back on the horse. That's right. Um, so as far as Bryce goes, I'm kind of with you though, man. Like I don't think it's the greatest landing spot for him. He's the thing about Bryce. He's definitely a scorer. The guy, you know, he can he can put up points. Um, I am interested to see how the NBA tries to handle a guy like that because I don't think that he like I. I I think he fits into, let me put it this way. I think he fits into what the NBA likes to see. The problem is, is that I don't know that he'll really ever be much more than a bench player because that role that he's filling is like every team wants a superstar in that position, right? They want the guy who can like take the mid-range jumper and, you know, shoot threes occasionally and whatnot. But if you don't bring something else, like unless you're like really great defensively or, you know, you have you know great skills of passing, you get a lot of assists, it's hard to find your way on the court. And I feel like they're just going to have better options than, than Bryce. And, and so that kind of sucks for him because I don't, I don't think he'll get as many opportunities in Utah as he might at someplace else. Um, because that's the kind of team that's going to be centered around one dude. Like Rudy Gay's going to be there. Like, I don't know. 
I think that it'll be interesting to watch how he does relative to Malachi Branham because Branham, I think, yeah. found himself in a sort of similar position with the Spurs last year. And even though he didn't have, you know, like an all-world rookie year, he still had a very effective campaign and I believe made the Rising Stars challenge, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm correct. Um, so encouraging start for his career. And, you know, now they've got – a, a generational prospect coming in in, in Victor Wembanyama, and right. it will be interesting to see how he grows now as that situation suddenly has a bit more of an encouraging uh, trajectory. But he did get a year uh, before that where he didn't have a lot of eyeballs or expectations, and so he got to have, I think, a bit more of a volume-heavy role that complemented his game well um, for you know where he was going to develop. That was something that D'Angelo Russell did not get when he got drafted by the Lakers because he not only had Kobe Bryant's retirement uh, uh-huh. you know, arc to deal with, he also had Jordan Clarkson on his team. Right. Uh, who very – those were two of the most volume-intensive uh, guards in basketball. And for a guy like Russell who needed such a, a, a high usage rate in order to be successful – I think it kind of stunted his development, even though he ended up becoming an an all-star candidate caliber player in the long run, as many expected him to. So I think Bryce being in Utah in a, in a situation where there isn't a lot of competing for that high volume role and not a lot of expectations will be good for his development in the same way it was for Malachi Branham. I'm just exercising more caution because the Spurs do not inspire the same long-term optimism even before they got Victor Wembanyama that the Jazz do by comparison. So yeah. guarded skepticism, but I, I think that he's going to have the opportunities to succeed. It's just a matter of if he's going to capitalize on it at this stage. Yeah, and you know, it's the thing is, is that especially with a you know a team that's kind of struggling or whatnot, if you're talking about high usage rate, well, then you're, you're probably going to be looking for points and shots wherever you can get them. So I, I think, again, another fair point from you because you want to see him kind of figure out his game a little bit. And, you know, things are going to change depending on, you know, who's around you and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, who who can help you develop. But, you know, if you've got a guy like Conley around, that I, I feel like having those kind of vets on the team might might help you out. Um, so all the best to him. I hope everything works out really well in Utah, but you know, I'm not like you. I don't think I'm super, super, uh, like excited about that particular landing spot. Before we move on, can I say one more thing about the NBA draft? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I I'm, I'm challenging Shams to a one-on-one basketball game. <laughs> I I played against Shams at Lifetime Fitness in Illinois when we were both in high school. Oh my this god. This guy is 5 foot 2 and he stinks. He's a chucker. <laughs> he can't make a three-pointer to save his life. I yeah. will beat him 11 nothing in basketball. Shams Charina, come face me for the first time in 13 years. I will blank you. I will put a donut <laughs> on your head, you tiny terrible book cooking journalist <laughs> come get it good come down to miami i think you got like a foot on him george right like i feel like oh he wouldn't sir i not only that yeah. i was like 230 pounds when we played last time oh, so i'm i'm I, i'm ready yeah. to roll 
Uh, my go. knee, my knees are not what they used to be, but I mean, <laughs> when you know, I'll still post up someone that's five foot two. There you go. That I guy probably. was sitting at the NBA Finals in a booster seat. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun drama around that dude too. Um, so yeah, that's the NBA draft. You know, again, Ohio State's had a lot of guys go in. I uh, get selected in the first round lat past few years. I think that if you're looking for positive signs with the program, I think that's maybe part of it. Um, but you obviously want to see those dudes, you know, contribute to Ohio State success while they're at Ohio State. I think that's kind of the, you know, that's that's the general goal that Holtman's driving towards. So you've got the talent. You've just got to make sure that it actually produces in college. Um, yes. So that's the, yeah, the, yeah. Or or possibly hit, I don't know, maybe the Sweet 16 or or even the round of 32. I don't know. Um, so that's the first part here. We're going to get to ask us anything in a second. We will remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Um, it's, you know, like I said, it's the summer. There's, it's time to get good stuff. Let's do a little Ask Us Anything. When we remind you that you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and we've got some questions here let's go ahead and start with this um so we'll start first of all this is just from kevin who says i have more crowns than the Habsburgs," and i don't know what that means exactly but i will say kevin uh the auto responses that i have here are they look great glad you like them and glad you got them so I'm just going to put, they look great, and I'm going to send it back to you right now. Did he send you a picture of them? No, it just says I have more crowns than the Habsburgs. It's probably a reference to something else that I'm forgetting. So I apologize, Kevin, if this uh, this means anything. I wonder if I'm he's sure talking about his teeth. No, because I think, I, didn't someone ask us about oh, like yeah. toothpaste or something? That's right. Yeah, that's right. We went into the, the dental hygiene habits for that's den- right. dentistry. That's right, the dental hygiene yeah. habits. He has more crowns in the house. Okay, there you go. So you've got a you got the they look great response from me, which you're not going to actually you're going to get it now. You're going to listen to the reason why you got it in like a day. <laughs> so that's going to be weird for you, but funny for us. So I'm fine with it. Um, by the way, this is connected. This is from our good friend Alvin, who says. Uh, so let's say okay, you have to be a medical doctor. You don't have a choice. You are going into some medical field that is your lot in life you must be a doctor what kind of doctor would you be what specialty and what kind of practice so are you going into dentistry george is that is that your thing is that your jam no, no. there's there's a whole good. joke about how dentists aren't actually doctors i don't yeah that's be fine I don't, that no, yeah that's it i if i'm rich and i don't have to work hard and i'm still a doctor I, i'll be a dentist i don't give a crap but i don't want to work with people's mouths so i don't want to do that i wouldn't do that um, I don't know. Maybe uh something with like your back. Like what is that? Orthopedics, <laughs> I think. Is Orthopedics, that right? okay. Is I that what it that. is? Is that is that is that the correct terminology? I have no idea. I think so. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds plausible. Like your spine. Yeah, like yeah. I you know that, that's high that, that's that high risk stuff. though. You want to mess with people's like spines? 
I want. I, I want. Mean, low if, you're, risk. if you're if you're knowledgeable on the subject, there's good money there. And I mean, the spine. Like, yeah, I do want to know about the spine because every your whole body is like running through that. So. No, I'm not saying you don't want to know about it. I'm just saying I don't want. I don't want the pressure. I don't want to mess with somebody's back and like. You're, dude, if you're putting the knife to people, you got pressure on you either way, man. Well, that's true. I, I I I I had uh, the only time that I ever served on a jury was for a case where uh-huh. it was a civil case and they were suing the doctor for malpractice over complications from a hemorrhoid surgery. Oh god. So you it's any any time that you're putting the knife to flesh, you're 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 liable if you're not following it by the book. So it doesn't matter if you're working with spines or uh, you know, other parts of the body so it's just like it, uh, you know it, it is what it is a dub cast appropriate part of the body um, <laughs> i'm gonna say podiatrist and first of all i know there's nasty feet out there that's fine i i you know what i have a pretty pretty strong stomach i feel like you know, I get along pretty well with kids. My job, you know, I work with kids. I wouldn't want to be a pediatrician. Like, that That would be too heavy. The, the scary, sad stuff would get to me. Um, I don't I don't want to do anything too super – like, you know, people say, like, skin doctor. But that's still, you know, that, that, I feel like that could be that could be kind of serious. You see a lot of skin cancer. You got to probably, like – Well, I went to a dermatologist once, and they delayed my appointment for an hour because they said they had to do emergency surgery on someone. And I was like, that is so vague in the dermatology (laughs) context. I don't even want to know. I I was even upset. I was like, you know what? If it was bad enough that you had to do emergency surgery in the office, you go right ahead. Yeah, do what you got to do. That sounds bad. Yeah, no, that's – I don't even I can't even envision what emergency surgery in that context would entail. Yeah, that's, that's why I said go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um God, I don't know. You know, I, I've been to the ophthalmologist. I have really bad eyesight. I have terrible eyesight. And they've shined like lasers in my eyes to like fix my retina. That's that's too high pressure. I'd that, like that one too. I do I do that. Ophthalmologist? Op- optometry, yeah. Yeah. Well, so optometry might be pretty good. I kind of like that idea, like helping people see. And then you don't actually have to do like I think optometry might be a good one. I kind of like yeah. that. That sounds like a good one. And then you're just kind of like, you don't have to get into people's like, like you look at their eyes. We don't have to like get in their mouths or their ears or any of that gross stuff. Yeah, I think optometrist would actually be a pretty good one. That's the one I'm going to, I think I'm going to pick. I think I'm going to slide on that one. I think that one's pretty good. Glad I could talk you through it. No, no, thank you. I was going to say podiatry, <laughs> but I think, yeah, optometry is like way better than that. I'm yeah, Stay away that. from feet. Yeah, that's gross. That you know what that that has the potential to go really bad. So I don't want to mess with that. Um, I'm just no. I just mean like in general. Like I don't want somebody's stinky, gross feet in my face. I just I'm trying to limit the the gross the grossness of uh, my experience as a doctor. But that's why I was surprised you said podiatry. Well, I couldn't think of I no no optometry is way better. That's that's you nailed it. That's that's the better option by far. you know what you don't want to be is a veterinarian. Uh, I heard that that job is like absolute hell. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, I love animals. I love kittens. I love puppies. Like, no, 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 no. You, you don't want to deal with any of that crap because half the time they're they're trying to bite you or kill you or claw you. I don't deal with that crap. So, um, all right. So that's Ask Us, Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those questions in. We'll continue to answer them. Let's finish up on a few things here. Uh, some tidbits, some quick hitters. Ohio State has sold more than 
thousand season tickets for the twenty three football season. This is the um, uh, this is this is a big deal. It's second highest since twenty eleven. This is a big deal, I think, because first of all, it's a, you know a bit of a nature is healing kind of thing, where a lot of people I think thought after the the pandemic that these ticket sales, especially these preseason ticket sales, would not necessarily rebound, would not necessarily come back in the way that they had prior to that, especially with all the pressures from like you know being able to watch at home and all this other stuff. But fifty five thousand uh, tickets already sold by June. Um, that's that's a pretty big number. Do you do you think that's a do you think that's something that's sustainable long term, or is this just kind of like a one year hiccup where things are well, just working out? This is how I look at it. I know some people see the name George Eisner on Eleven Warriors and they think, "What the hell does this guy actually do around here?" <laughs> it was it was two years ago <clears throat> about that I I covered my first press conference for 11 warriors there you go. it was a press conference from mr phil montgomery of the tulsa golden hurricanes after travion henderson ran for over 300 yards on them in a game where about half of the stadium you know at uh, columbus was full it was bad it was bad enough that phil montgomery felt compelled enough to comment on it in the post-game press conference saying that it was surprisingly quiet. Now, I've been around Ohio State football for most of my, you know, conscious life. Uh, I'd say from probably at least the last 20 years. And I cannot remember in wake of, you know, a, a thrashing of that caliber where a running back runs over your team for 300 yards, where a coach felt compelled enough to comment on the the laughably poor effort from the the fans of the school from which they had just been beaten and were visiting. So right. I thought at that moment I was like this is kind of a low point in terms of fan morale for Ohio State. This is embarrassing and we kind of need a call to action here in terms of like get back in the stadium and stay there. What are you doing? There is a coach from Tulsa calling out our fan base so i think i'm i'm not encouraged by the non-conference slate this season relative to you know filling it out but i i think since that game when phil montgomery very transparently called out ohio state fans we've seen a bit better of an effort from the fans and this uh, sign of the ticket sales, obviously, as you, I think, framed it, nature is healing. I think that is a good way to describe it. But don't forget, we must continue the healing effort because we cannot get back to the point where, uh, where is that CUSA? A CUSA coach should not be feeling emboldened enough to call out <laughs> Ohio State fans after Travion right. Henderson sets a school rushing record. You know what? That no, is I'm a ridiculous glad- thing. I'm glad though that he did because I think that like oh, if anybody too. can do that, you know, and, and, and let people know that that's, Hey, maybe you actually have to show up and, and be a part of this. And that's, that's maybe the guy to do it because then it's hopefully embarrassing enough for people to go, Oh yeah, maybe we should actually like, you know, take this seriously and, and show up for game. Here's the thing. Ohio state only plays six home games this year. Right. So I think that's going to help in terms of like making sure that there's more juice. Like if you want to get to a game, then you damn well better be at one of these six games because there aren't a whole lot of them this year. And even though you're right, the out-of-conference slate is not great. 
Um, I think that will, you know, encourage sellouts, making sure that fans are actually there when they buy tickets, all that kind of stuff, just because they're just fewer opportunities in general um, this year than they normally are. So that'll be a part of it. Um, I'm still fascinated, though, by college football attendance as a whole, you know, throughout the country and, and what that looks like long term. I mean, it's been going down for a while. There was a huge uptick in interest, obviously, after the, after the pandemic and everybody's like, OK, there aren't restrictions. Let's go back. And so you had all this pent up demand. And so that helps. But I don't know that's necessarily a long term thing. Um but Ohio State, I mean, this is mentioned in the article here uh, that was written by uh, by Dan on the site. Uh, the you know the average uh, fans, the average amount of fans in in 2022 was up over 104,000. Which, again, that's reported numbers. A lot of times, you know, they'll say like this is the fans in attendance, and you look at the actual people in the stadium, and you're like, okay, well, that's that's clearly a lie. Um, but that's also up from where it was in 2021 at just under 97,000. So, which is know, when the game with Tulsa happened. That's right. That's right. And, and so, you know, there were more season tickets uh, sold in last year's off season, but then you saw the results of that at every home game. And I think you're still going to see that continue this season. So, you know, short term, Ohio State, in terms of fan attendance, I think has gotten a lot better in the past couple seasons. I think it will continue to look good. Long term, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if they're going to continue to be outside pressures in terms of like cost of attendance and the fact that you can watch it on a, you know, 65 inch screen at your own, you know, own leisure at home and you're, you know, on your couch. I don't know if that will change things. Um, I'm also curious to see what streaming does to all of this. And, you know, the, the atomization of these broadcast rights, like it's one thing if you can feel comfortable in saying like, and I don't know, maybe I'm just buying into this whole idea that like, you know, we have blackouts, so we increase in-game attendance. I don't know that that necessarily actually ever works, but um, I am curious to see if like Ohio State's broadcast only on the Peacock network at some point, does that help drive attendance to games? I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the games are too expensive for that to really be a factor, but um, I think it changes the dynamic a little bit, and so we'll see. Maybe we can t- see, you know, see what happens with Michigan this year when their opener is played on a on a channel that a lot of their fans can't watch. Well, I think you touch on something interesting because I think attendance is actually heavily influenced by what the media perception of the team is. And oh, yeah. you know, throwing it back to two years ago again, my favorite college football attendance story of the last two years is. When Caleb Williams was still at Oklahoma uh, and Kansas was beating Oklahoma for most of the game that they were playing, mm-hmm. Kansas at, at halftime just said, hey, Lawrence, get oh, yeah. in here. That's right. The That's game right. is get now free. <laughs> we need you in here to beat yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys. It didn't right. end up happening because right. there, there was some funky officiating work in that game, if we're being yeah. honest. But it's funny to look at how Kansas did last year when they were until their quarterback got hurt, uh, the dar the like darling upstart like of college the football weeks, for most yeah. last year. But they had that media boost, I think, that you know gave, inflated their stock and gave them that perception. But two years ago, they were in dire enough straits against Oklahoma that they just said, you can come into the game for free. Right. The, the attendance up. is that bad enough. The show up. Yeah, right. I, that, that was awesome. And I, God, I, I would have killed for them to win that freaking game. 
Um, but <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, man. Like it, it is a lot about perception. And if Ohio State, which you know ostensibly is kind of in a, a rebuilding year this year, I mean they still have really high aspirations. They can still certainly make the the playoff. But like you know, I am curious to see first of all how the broadcast stuff affects all this stuff, and then also. Um, you know, just what fan expectations are. So I'm excited for that. I'm glad that they had a ton of those um, uh, ticket orders. I'm glad that it's continued the trend uh, certain last year of a lot more. And like you said, man, you don't want the Tulsa's of the world coming in and be like, man, it's quiet in here. Like that's, that's weird. <laughs> because that's, they're coming from Tulsa. You don't want them to come to Ohio stadium and go, wow, it's not as loud as I thought. Like that's yeah, the last thing. You the want. only other time I can remember anything like that is when USC and Matt Barkley came to right. Columbus and beat Ohio. State. And it wasn't even Barkley that really did it as much as Joe McKnight. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember thinking that and like, Oh, the horseshoe isn't as loud as I thought it was going. I was like, all right, go, go back to LA and we'll see. Yeah, how that's you something do. that you can say after you win the game. It's not yeah, something exactly. Yeah. So I, that was the only other time I can remember transparent disrespect to Ohio stadium from a not big 10 team. And for it to come from a conference USA opponent, that's like a, that's a moment where it's like, all right, folks, listen, lockdown's over. Get back in the stadium. I know September's hot in Ohio. Right. I know they don't have they. At, when I was in school, they didn't have air conditioning in Blackburn at, on North Campus. The North Campus dorms didn't have AC, so those mm-hmm. those ninety degree Ohio Septembers are miserable. I get yeah. it, but go to the stadium and support your team. Right, Damn I it. agree, one hundred percent. No, I absolutely agree. Um, all right, so next little tidbit here we got here. So LSU football uh, been placed on probation, three-year probation uh, that's backdated, so it ends in three months. So who cares? Um, <laughs> which is, look, so here's the thing about that, man. The only reason why I'm even talking about it is because, first of all, this is a bunch of Ed Orgeron crap that he did, whatever. I don't care. Uh, but it, to me, it's just emblematic of just the how neutered the NCAA is in general. Like, LSU self-reported a bunch of these violations. The NCAA said, no way, man, that's not good enough for taking you down. This is three-year probation, which I don't even know what probation does. Three-year probation. Also, we're going to backdate it. It ends in September. Have a great summer. Like, what? Why even bother? Why even bother? Just at a certain point, you have to admit, you have to just own up to the fact that you have no real enforcement power. No one takes you seriously. And you cannot... And yes, this factors in NIL. You you cannot effectively police any of this stuff. It is just hilarious to me that they think that this matters at all to anyone. That that LSU would even begin to care about any of that. I just I can't get over the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. just was handing money to players after the <laughs> yeah, the game. Like, that's kind of a it's kind of a direct. <laughs> If, especially oh, now hey, in wake it was of like on, it was like live wasn't well, it now that now that the arc is complete and we have the punishment stemming from what everyone was watching and seeing like that's that's yeah. like an ncaa violation right and we've now seen the punishment for that the and i yet. think that i believe that this has now kind of very transparently reflected what uh this era of college football looks like uh yes. so we've you know, we're not really going to get a much more accurate uh, symbol than that. What I'm more curious about, uh, you know, relative to LSU football punishments is uh, the the developments around some uh, some vacated wins from uh, the years 
2012 to 2015, impacting right. a certain distasteful Michigan man uh, in the eyes of Ohio State. Well, he's more he's more hated, I think, actually in Ann Arbor than he is. I was going to say, he's definitely, State. yeah, he's more of a villain in Ann Arbor than down here in Ohio State. I mean, I last, Ohio State's last there. encounter with Les Miles, I guess, was uh, a national championship loss, which nobody's happy about. But, they, you know, you're basically one and one against the guy, right? So, I mean. Here's my, listen, if... If Harbaugh finally gets some NFL team to kiss his ass and he gets to jump ship and, and leave, as he's teased for two seasons in a row now, yeah, they're desperate enough to keep the train going up there that if they can't get Hoke to come back, who, by the way, just... San Diego State just pulled out of uh, the Mountain West and is presumably going to go they, join a... They, Right, so they're going to go join a conference with more money. He's going to have a good right. gig. He might have an incentive to just, you know, stay where he's at as opposed to take advantage of I don't think they bring Brady Hope back. I don't think no. – not after getting a, a quarterback concussed and then just, like, kicking his butt out there. and then, Yeah, he's he's done too much dumb crap. But if you don't have any other uh, Michigan men available that fit the mold of the traditional Michigan man, the Jim well, Harbaugh, the only other guy available – is Les Miles. So, and Les Miles needs wins he, he to does. get back in the Hall of Fame eligibility like right. a certain Mr. 3000 did in a terrible movie from the uh, oh, mid to late Bernie, knots. Bernie, wasn't that Bernie Mac doing that? I believe I this listen, this Michigan has an opportunity to give Les Miles a Bernie Mac arc, and I think that they should capitalize <laughs> on it if for no other reason than it would be a great bit and very funny. It would be funny. Les Miles is a crazy person, but first of all, I don't. I think there's too much bad blood there. I don't. I don't see him going back to to Ann Arbor uh, anytime soon. Oh, those people um, are so desperate, Johnny, to see are, Ohio State you know, lose. They would. They would welcome back Les Miles. Here's the thing, though. You said that there isn't a Michigan man available. There is a Michigan man available. There's a Michigan man on their staff available that I think they would hire above. Les Miles, and that's Mike Hart. And Mike Hart is that true blue Michigan dude, and he has no experience. They don't. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's been a, he's been a running backs coach. When when the rumors were heating up really hard, really hardcore about Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, it looked like it might actually happen before he like screwed up two consecutive interviews with the NFL front offices. Uh, Mike Hart was like right there, like like he was in the top three candidates for both fans and the actual administration. Again, because they are so broke brained with this Michigan man stuff where they're like, that's a viable option. And again, Mike Hart might turn out to be like some amazing, like wonderkin kind of guy where he's a genius at football or something. But the point is, is that they will find a guy. They will find a dude who's available. If it's not Les Miles, Mike Hart is right there. And I I would bet that if that actually happens, he would be very high on their list. Like for real. I, I think you're right. But if it does come down to those two, I would just ask who's won, who's won a national championship as a head coach and who beat Ohio State? Well, Mike Hart did not. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say as a as a coach, Mike Hart has. Um, and and by the way, it was his running backs that facilitated. Not in a position of authority. Well, that's like, true. Come on. That's true. Um, I don't know, man. It, I think he is really, if, if he ends up surviving long enough through the end of the Harbaugh tenure, I think he'll be the heir apparent. 
Um, what do you mean surviving? Where's he gonna go? He's he's a homegrown Michigan lad. Like he's not. Know. There's nowhere you know for what? him to go. We said that about guys like Luke Fig. I don't know. There might be opportunities that might pop up. I'm not he, saying he, he's he's done he's done too many favors around there. He's done too much laundry for John Falk and whoever else. Like he, he's not gonna. He's got too much invested there to punt on that and go somewhere else. Like uh, the all the other coaches that left and like the one that came down to Miami. Gaddis, yeah. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he already left and bolted Gattis somewhere else, right? So he he well, was a big reason they beat Ohio State the first time. I think that's true, but I don't know. I'm I'm as a guy who's watched a lot of Michigan football, I grew to very much dislike him just because it made my viewing experience so much worse than it had to be. Um, all right, I so think there's quick. a certain recruit that would agree with you relative to his experience with their <laughs> family right. members. That's right. Um, okay, so real quick, we got a couple more things before we get out of here. First of all, uh, shout out and all best wishes to Zach Herbstreet. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before uh, we recorded as well. And, you know, he's got a long uh, kind of road ahead of him. Uh, his father, obviously, is Kirk Herbstreet, um, you know, media personality, former Ohio State player. Um, Kirk's basically saying, you know, he's, he's a good spirits. He's at home. It's going to be a long uh, process. Uh, he's got some heart issues that they're going to work on, some medication they're going to get him on. Uh, they're really positive about it. Um, so all the best to him. And I hope that, you know, and we all hope that, you know, everything turns out well and he's he's able to recover well and, and you know, do everything that he wants to do in life, whether it involves football or not. I don't know. But, um, you know, just all the best to that guy. And especially, you know, into the Herb Street family, of course, as well. I mean, that's that's a scary thing to go through. I can't imagine that. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of softly resented Kirk for a little bit just because he it seemed like he was more in the Clemson camp or trying to it seemed like for a while he was trying to cultivate this more like man of college football persona at ESPN rather than, you know, being an Ohio State. He He's never been an Ohio State homer, but I, I feel like he was just kind of trying to fight that perception for a little bit. So it was easy for Ohio State fans to build some resentment towards yeah. Herb Street. I was, that's why I was glad when I heard that uh, his next son, after the one that I believe just got done at Clemson, decided to come to Ohio State. So yeah, it's, right. Uh, Continue I'm, that legacy. Right. I'm hopeful that, you know, Zach Herbstreet, this will turn out for the best. And uh, I'm glad when we heard that he checked into the hospital, it wasn't apparently clear how quickly he was going to be released. And it was it was vague enough that you were worried it could have been something more serious where it might have been longer term. So I, uh, you know, encouraging development. uh, And I'm glad, you know, to see that uh, his dad has been on top of it, too, and uh, all the best to their Herbstreet family. Yeah. And he says, you know, I uh, can't even imagine the amount of people that have reached out and are concerned about him. So everybody that reached out, we really appreciate that. We feel that wholeheartedly. So that's great. And, um, you know, like I said, all the best to the Herb Street family. Finally, we do have to talk about this. Uh, you know, it's not it's not the 11 Dubcast unless we're talking about bowling at Stephen F. Austin. And, you know, a theme the past few weeks has been with the Dubcast, you know, people in authority behaving badly and with impunity. And this idea that, like, you know, even the smallest amount of power just makes people go absolutely insane. And, like, okay, so it's insane that this – we have a bowling team, right, at Stephen F. Austin. We've got the head coach who is married to the assistant coach. And the assistant coach, this guy, Steve Lemke, I guess is his name, 
was having an affair with student athletes or a student athlete. And that's pretty gross and terrible in of itself. But the quotes from this guy, like the, the gall, I guess, the, the arrogance – where you it's know, to your like, point where you can't trust coaches in their 30s, I think that this actually <laughs> very much, you know, that this reinforces yeah. your stance. Yeah. And so, okay. So these are some of the quotes. I knew it was kind of a no-no, which, okay, I, I guess breaking marital vows and, you know, like, you know, ethical improprieties. I guess it was kind of a no-no, but there's not a rule saying it can't happen. By the way, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a rule. But anyway, he says there's not a rule saying it can't happen. Uh, there's not a law saying I'm going to go to jail for something like this. There's nothing in stone. I guess it's just an ethics code like we frown upon it. But there's no rule, no law broken. Um, and then he goes on and complains about his relationship with his wife. Uh, then when I got hard on, she almost forced me to run practices. I was a volunteer the entire time. And then he's just complaining. I felt like I was doing too much for what I was being valued at. Like, what the hell? What is, what oh, is no, you, well, well, playing about? off of you're that one in terms of the coach at Stephen F. Austin, you're appropriately valued. You have met your level of value. Oh no, he has not because he believes the relationship was amplified to the magnitude that it is oh. now because of the national championship caliber that we've oh, developed. That right. is why he felt that he would been emboldened enough to, you know, cheat. I mean, it's it, the ego that comes with be, the it's the quotes in this story are just absolutely it's bonkers. Fabulous. It is straight bonkers and I don't I don't, I don't get it. I mean, like, like I was saying this in Slack. I was like, Lord grant me the confidence of an assistant bowling coach at Stephen Austin. Because like, what, I, I can't imagine, first of all, I can't imagine ever doing that to anybody. But like, secondly, I, I can't imagine the stones it takes to basically say like, yeah, I did it. And I was, I'm like, I, I earned that. I deserve that. Like, you've got to be the most insane narcissistic psychopath. And it's just, it blows my mind. And, and, you know, we talk about that at like, you know, professional football or college football or baseball or basketball, you know, like these high level sports. But the fact that you can still have that mentality as the assistant bowling coach at Stephen F. Austin is truly strange and, and really just kind of like mind blowing. So I don't know. To that that is a crazy these story. quotes to the press. It's not just the fact yeah, that's that right, you right. do it. It wasn't an email. Go- from like, and it wasn't a text. He like, he's like, yeah, I get it on podium. I'm going to tell everybody. I am he's going like, to the Lufkin daily news and I am right. going to tell them exactly. I'm going to give them the truth of this story because that's what the people deserve. And the people deserve to know that there's not a law saying I'm going to jail for doing something like this it's just an ethics code like we frown upon it but there's no rule there's no law broken for cheating right. on your wife with someone you work with both of you it is yeah. the most baffling situation i've seen in an athletic department to be honest that's exactly the kind of story i think we need in the love and dub cast on this week so Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sending in the questions. Thank you for sticking with us through the offseason. We'll keep dissecting all the crazy stories in college sports, all the recruiting, all the other fun stuff. Uh, but, you know, that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. And until then, I'm Johnny. Enjoy. And we'll see you next time.